Recorded in a super secret location for a not so super secret reason, this is Get It Right with Mike and Trey. And I'm Mike Hendren, and with me is the one, the only... Trey Sorala. How you doing, sir? Just trying this new podcasting out. Uh, you know, it, it, it is, it's new territory for us. Yes, it is. But not, you know, we, we've done radio stuff together for years and years. And and I'm a... Over 20, a decade. Over a decade. And I got over 20 years now. Right. As a, as a uh, broadcast uh, broadcaster. So, I mean, this is not... professional, should you say. Well, I, let's go easy on the professional <laughs> part. I, I'm not so sure about that sometimes. And there are people that would argue that, mm, so pro. But anyway, here we are and uh, trying out the podcast thing. So anyway, we got uh, we got a lot of stuff we can talk about. And one of the top one of the big topics here in uh, in the Lone Star State right now uh, is if there's not you know two dozen of them, but one of the biggest ones is border security. Oh yeah, we we are we are up against a bit of a wall here in Texas, and I and I and no pun intended. There. I was going to say, but I'm bumped. But. But the feds have put our backs to the wall. Their, in, their, their inaction on border security is forcing us to take action on border security. And the, the governor has said, we're going to commit a billion dollars to border security here in a Texas. A billion dollars of tex- Texas taxpayer money. A, a billion dollars of your money, kids, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors of all ages. You are paying for this. So a billion dollars out of our pockets to do the job the feds are not doing. Now this is this is where it all starts to come off the tracks here because it's not our job. International border security should not be the job of the state. It should be the job of the federal government. Well, it's part of it's part of the agreement as being a state inside the federal government is you agree to become a state inside the boundaries, right? And with all the protections that come right. with it of that country. And we're not getting those protections right now. You've got this border that stretches from Brownsville, Texas, all the way to San Diego, California, that it has so many holes. It is so wide open in so many places. And the you know, Trump, when he was president, what was he doing? He was building a border wall. Was the border wall the be-all, end-all answer to this? Well, no, it was not. It simply was not. But it was a big component of it. It's a piece of the puzzle. Yeah, a, phys- a physical barrier to well, well, protect wait, it. Was physical barriers ever worked in the history of the world? I don't know. Do you have a fence around your yard? <laughs> the Great Wall of China. I know. Go to Europe. There's walled cities. Everywhere. There were cities that were built in Europe. They, they still exist, the walls. Yes. Where that's what it was there. And the reason was because the people in that city wanted to feel safe from the marauders on the outside. The, the Vatican is its own country. And the last time I checked, the Vatican uh, ain't sitting out in the open where everybody can just walk through. No, it is not. Very well protected and somewhat walled off. So walls do work. Now, what we need on the international border with Mexico is we need a physical barrier. We need a wall. Fences where fences would make more sense or walls where walls make sense. We need humans. We need people. We need people actually patrolling the border and watching it and, and, and keeping an eye on things. We need that. But then we also need the best in technology. We've got drones that can fly at 75,000 feet in the air and take a picture of a mole on your butt and get perfect images of it. We can't monitor our border with technology. Well, of course we can. But we've got a federal government in place now with the Biden administration that simply does not want to do that. In fact, they've opened everything back up. We've got 
floods of, of migrants, tides of them coming. Wait, wait into a minute, the hang on. I, I saw that the uh, my orcas say that the bo- the border wall is secure, Mike. He, I mean, he, would he lie? I don't know what he drinks <laughs> for breakfast, but the man is obviously intoxicated on something because he knows not of what he speaks at all. Nothing. He, he knows nothing. These people are the most feckless, clueless individuals we've ever had. Which, okay, just a, a shining example here. Their remarks prior to the Memorial Day weekend, their remarks about, oh, enjoy your, enjoy your long weekend, have a happy Memorial You don't even know what Memorial Day is about. Yeah. You're, you're sitting in the highest levels of leadership in the country, president and vice president, and you don't have a damn clue what Memorial Day is all about. Speaking of vice president, she was supposed to be in charge of this border thing. She was going to take the lead. Where's she been? <laughs> She's nowhere near the border. The only place I've seen her is behind, standing behind Joe Biden with a mask on. Yeah. Outside at ceremonies. Yes. I've not seen her do anything. No. She hasn't she hasn't done anything. She she won't do anything. She is totally disconnected from this thing. What what has she done? I, I don't know. Okay, we're we're now going into month five of the well, where we're going into month sixth of the presidency, actually. We're just finishing month five. We're going into month sixth of this presidency. And I don't know that we've ever had a vice president as silent as her. Uh- I'm, I'm sure we have. She has been completely and totally just not there. Oh, I'm sure she's showing up for some things. But number one, do you find it odd that the media is not following her around like a puppy dog? Because they're not. They're not following Kamala Harris. You know why? Because they don't like her. They don't like her. They don't love her. They don't want her. The, she's not a media darling. She wasn't during the election. No, she was one of the lowest-rated candidates there was. She was as far on the bottom as you could get. This is the only way the DNC could get her into power right. was by pairing her up with Biden, putting yeah. Biden Biden yeah. in there and pairing her up in there because we all know that Biden's not going to last the whole well, time. Well, you got to ask yourself, you know, if you're the leadership of the DNC, you, you know, you're all you're sitting around the table and guys, look, we got to come up with a plan here. This Trump cat, he's going to kick the hell out of all of us. What are we going to do here? Okay, who we got? Who we got on the list here? We got a list of, we got, we got uh, what do we got? 18 candidates left out of 25. Who we got here? Yeah, oh, Biden. Yeah, Biden. Oh, Joe. Hell yeah, he can pull this off. That's the best you could come up with? Uncle Joe, baby. Out of out of a field of 20, what was, at one time I think it was 26 Something candidates. Like that was a big field, yeah. And the best you could come up with was Dirty Uncle Joe. Mr. Oh, speaking of which. Did you hear his latest faux pas involving a child? Oh, no, I have not. Okay, so he's given a speech, and he's got uh, apparently a military family on stage with him. And there's a little girl. She's like three years old. She's got barrettes in her hair, and she's sitting there, and, you know, got her legs crossed, and she's sitting there. And, and, he, and he looks at her and goes, I just love those barrettes in your hair. Look at her sitting there with her legs crossed like a little lady. She looks like she's 19 years old. Joe. He said that? Joe. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're not supposed to say stuff that everything that pops into your head. No, and you don't make remarks like that, especially in front of an audience about a three-year-old. Children. She's yeah. a. First of all, she's barely not a toddler at this point. Okay, she's a child, but she's still kind of a toddler. This is a little bitty girl. It's not like she. It would be bad enough if she were fifteen or sixteen. It would be bad enough if she were a teenager. This is a little child. A child. I got a grandchild the same age as this kid. Yeah. It just, it's, it's nuts. I don't know where the hell his handlers are. 
somebody please get this guy a pill, an injection, you know, make him take a nap, something, anything. And you know, you would think, you would think given the obvious issues with the, the guy's got dementia, I'm convinced of it. You would, you would think with the obvi- obvious issues this guy's got, Trey, that the VP would be stepping up more oh, yeah. and doing more public. stepping back. Hell no. Hell no. She is nowhere to be found, and she's damn sure not on that border, and that border's a mess. So. Well, here's what I wonder about, and, and I've, I've, I've floated this before to uh, our friend Drew Springer uh, that we interview sometime on the radio, who's a Texas state senator, former House member. Why can we not pass some sort of legislation as a state against illegal immigration? And he said, well, I'm not sure that we can, but but I don't know. I wonder about that. I wonder what could we do. I, would, I want our attorneys, I want our state of Texas to look at that and say, is there some way yeah. that we can pass a, 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 and I'm not saying immigration to the United States, right. but immigration to Texas. You have to be able to have certain... You have to prove that you're a, that you're legal in the United States to be in Texas. I would think myself. Well, first of all, we have laws against trespassing. We have laws against illegal entry, forced entry. We yeah. have laws that make it a criminal act for you, as a citizen of the state of Texas, to illegally enter someone else's property. We got laws against that. How is this that much different? Someone illegally entering your country, you know, there we got all these ranches, you got all kinds of, of privately owned property along the border. These people are illegally trespassing upon this property to get into this country. How is that any different? Yeah, why can't the state do something about it? That's that's what I'm getting at. I mean, why can't why can't the state of Texas do something about it? Because I know that the state lends people to the to the uh, border, right? But they're they can't apprehend people. No, all they can do is support roles, and it's like, wait a minute, just same as like you said, trespassing. Right. If you're trespassing, you're trespassing in our state. Right. Okay. We're we're taking DPS officers, we're taking DPS law enforcement off the streets, off their usual duties, their usual role, and putting them on the border. Okay, to supplement whatever other security we do have on the border, be it federal or state. So we're, now we're having to reallocate resources from our cities in southern Texas to the to border security, right. and they can't, like you said, they can't apprehend anybody. They can't arrest it. We, we can't put them in jail. They can't do. But now, if that DPS officer, if let's say he's happens to be sitting on a public street somewhere in, I don't know, Balfurious, and he sees some guy kick in somebody's front door. Well, guess what? That DPS officer is fully charged with the duty of arresting that individual that he just saw commit a crime. He's obligated. He's he's not. Yeah, you're right. He's not only he's not only uh, inclined to do it. He's obligated by That's law right. by That's his right. by his T close certification. And he will put that dude in handcuffs and drag his ass to jail in a heartbeat. So what's the difference? They're kicking the door of our country. In. It's no different. Our state. It's it's simply. To me, by definition, it's no different because they are they are trespassing. They are illegally entering people's property. Illegal, not just illegal, not illegal, not just illegally entering the the country and the state, but they are illegally entering other people's private property right. to gain access to this country. So, how is this any different than that? Than than, than a, a citizen breaking into someone's house or trespassing on someone's property? You know, we, we've had a lot of some of you may not know this, but here in Texas, we have this thing. 
So if you roll up on someone's property out in the country and you see a purple painted post, you better keep your butt on the road. Mm -hmm. Don't go in there because that, that is a sign to you that, Hey, we may well use deadly force to stop you from entering this property and can legally do it. You betcha. So, and these, these, these illegal immigrants are, are they're, they're literally walking across private property. And, and by the way, uh, usually leaving behind some pretty heinous marks that they trash the place. Basically, absolutely. There, there's, there's countless photographs and videos out there. Some of them, some of them have been taken by DPS, I believe, um, that show all the trash and the garbage, human waste, Mm -hmm. literally, uh, left behind on on these properties. Well, guess what? Somebody's got to go out there and clean that up. And it sure ain't going to be Mexico. They're not going to pay for anything. Like I said, I think that that's something exploring. Why can't the state of Texas come up with a statute or our own set of laws that if you're trespassing into our state or into onto private property, you can be arrested or apprehended? Well, it's... uh, it's a certainty at this point, by the time you hear this podcast, the Texas legislature is in special session. Uh, it's going to happen. One of the bills that still needs work, and I don't have the number of the bill in front of me, but it's the, it's the voter integrity bill. SB7. Okay. Well, that bill, so apparently they, they've had committee meetings and more committee meetings, and the committees have had committees, and they still can't come to an agreement. So the governor has ordered them to get their stuff together and um, be ready to come to the floor with a vote and fast. Uh, there's going to be a special session. It's happening. He wants it to be brief, shortly. They're going to have to have it simply because the Democrats walked out. They, they, the, the, yeah. the Democrats, what the Democrats, the House Democrats in Texas did is uh, on Sunday night, the 30th, don't know what day you're going to be listening to this, but Sunday night, the 30th, they simply walked out. And yep. which which does not allow a quorum to happen. Right now, this happened once before. It's happened actually twice before, where there was one time when the the Democrats went to a state Texas Democrats went to Ardmore, Oklahoma, and set up shop, which is right across the border. And then another time, they, I think they went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and you know one of our well, one of our uh, mutual friends, David Farabee was serving in the Texas House uh, when they made the run to Oklahoma way back when. Right. And, you know, and the thing about and I, we, you and I both have known uh, David a, a long time. And I don't know that, I don't know that he or any of them really had a good reason why they did that, other than just to stop the vote. Well, it was a party a, thing. It was a, I mean, it was yeah, a party yeah, thing. David, and David was a very conservative Democrat. He was a legacy Democrat. Yeah. Uh, in the Texas in in the Texas House, but he was pretty conservative. Well, his dad Ray had, Ray Farabee had served. Yeah. You know, so I mean, the whole reason I think he's a Democrat is because Daddy was a Democrat. A lot of Democrats do that, you know. Or they did. Or they did. I think yeah. I think that's changed. But but there was a time. See, interestingly enough, I just some information on the special session. It's averaged about every other cycle. So in Texas, the state of Texas, the legislature meets every two years. Right. So if you go back over the last couple of decades, it's been about every two year, about every four years, they'll have a special session. It can only be called by the governor, but there was not a special session from 1992 to 2003. Ann Richards was the governor. The last time a special session was called before Rick Perry, the right called it right. right. Now, did you hear this interesting thing? 
Now, this is, of course, this has changed. These Democrats have pushed this. But Dan Patrick, or Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, which Lieutenant Governor in Texas is a pretty powerful position. It is. Because basically you control the Senate. And uh, he he wanted, he'd been calling for a special session based on uh, the three things he wanted looked at was a censoring of media companies or a punishing media companies for censoring uh, social media, uh, the transgender athletes allowing to be to play women's sports, yeah. basically, and banning taxpayer lobbying, pa- taxpayer-funded lobbying in Texas. Mm-hmm. And Governor Abbott last week came out towards it, and he said, here's, here's his quote, it's pretty goofy because everybody knows that only one person with the authority to call special session, and that's the governor. Uh, adding to the adding to that education for special session should be careful what they wish for. Now Abbott has said he's been calling, uh, but now Abbott I think is going to call the special session because of SB seven. Right. But, so <clears throat> as late as early as the end of last week or the end of last week, mm-hmm. Abbott was already pushing back on Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick wanting to call a special session. Somehow I don't think they're the best of buddies. No, I no. <laughs> I don't think they are. And the governor gets to set the agenda, if I'm not mistaken, for what will be covered in the special session. Yes. So it's not like you can go into special session and now you can just reintroduce a new bill. No, 100% up to the governor. Right. At this point now, you're trying to hash out differences and get a a floor vote on very specific items. This voter integrity bill, I'll tell you the truth, I don't know if this is really going to change anything. And the reason I say that is because the whole point in this voter, what, what's, what's, driving, what's driven the voter integrity thing? Well, the 2020 election, that's what's driven it. Was there a problem with the 2020 election, Mike? Oh, just a, <laughs> just a few dozen problems. The whole idea that somehow a, an election, especially a national election, was manipulated in any way whatsoever has been a great cause of concern. And anybody that dares to question the results of the election is being dismissed as a as a, a moron, an idiot, a racist, a, a racist, a bigot, uh, you know, a hate monger, a Nazi, a, a Nazi. Yeah. yeah, you want to find Nazis? Look at the people with the D at the end of their name. There you go. Um, so, well, they're behaving like Nazis. I guarantee you that. So, how is all of this going to change? This is the thing. The people that may have had a direct hand in influencing an election to sway it to their candidate, I don't think any of these rule changes are going to stop them. Corrupt people are going to be corrupt one way. They're going to find a way to be corrupt. I think what you have to do is you have to go deeper. You can't just, you can't just enact some new laws and some new requirements. You have to go deeper. You have to do what should have been done with the 2020 election. There needed to be a full and thorough, comprehensive investigation of every single accusation of voter fraud. That didn't happen. Not really. There, there, was, no, there was no serious effort on the part of the feds at all. The no. then Attorney General Bill Barr sat there and said, well, I think, I think he was on um, one of the Sunday morning magazine shows. like you know, Eat the Press or something like that. Meet the Depressed or whatever, yeah. Uh, and he said, well, you know, there's, there's not enough evidence of any uh, fraud here that would have uh, changed the outcome of the election. Well, I, well, what I interpret that to mean is, so there was some, and right. you know there was some. Yeah, who cares? And and by the way, the Supreme Court, you talk about shit in the bed. By, well, we can say that on because it's podcast, I think right? we can, yes. <laughs> yeah, talk about shit in the bed. 
when the state of Texas sued, yeah, and, and the Supreme Court refused to hear it, that's your job. That that, that is was, your job. That is was to hear that stunning. Yes, that they said no. Yeah, it's not. It's not your. By the way, I don't see how they have the right to say no. I I don't. I don't why, either. Why, why are we allowing them to say no as as the people who are the taxpayers? Well, traits like this. Okay, let you know, the police get called to the scene of a crime. And they walk into the house and they go, well, okay. Well, there's a chair overturned over here and there's a little drop of blood over here and there's a broken window over there in that room. Yeah, but, you know, there's just not enough here to investigate anything. Eh, there's not, nothing to see here. Right. Turn around and walk out. They can't do that. Or, or the police get called and they go, they say, hey, there's somebody robbing the the, the liquor store. And they go, nah. <laughs> That's what the Supreme Court did. You can't just do said, that. Nah. The police can't do that. An investigation, when there's an accusation of a criminal act, the police are obligated to go and investigate. And they have and 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 now if if the evidence doesn't point to a crime, then fine. The evidence doesn't. But they first have to gather that evidence right. and they have to conduct a legitimate, honest investigation and figure out what may have happened if anything happened that did not happen in 2020 it did not happen there was no thorough complete exhaustive investigation of accusations of voter fraud and this is what's got everybody so upset and what upsets me is i I don't hear more people on the republican side putting it that way phrasing it that way right there's just a lot of you know pounding the desk and mad and and you know angry about everything But, but no one's really no one's really putting it that way and going hey guys this is not how an investigation is supposed to be handled. If voter fraud happened, that is a criminal act. That's right. And, and you're you're obligated by by your job because you accept that paycheck. Here's right, the thing. Right. When you accept a paycheck, whether it's from a private company or for a ta- from a taxpayer, right. You are obligated to do the job that you're set forth to do. Right. If you don't want to ex- don't do that job, don't accept a paycheck. It's very it's Real simple. How, how I know do that you, sounds crazy and, and simple, but it is simple. I don't know how the the top law enforcement officer in the country, the Attorney General of the United States, can sit there with a straight face and say, eh, well, there's just not enough evidence, not, not enough that would change the outcome of the election, and not expect people to go, what the hell did you just say? And, and the fact that the media didn't immediately pounce on that and go, uh, excuse us, Mr. Attorney General, so you're saying that there may have been some fraud, but just not enough for you to bother to investigate it? I think there was a day and time in the media when they would have done that. Some, oh, absolutely. Some, at least a handful of journalists would have stepped up and said, wait a minute. Um, what kind of circle are you dancing around this topic, buddy? What do you mean not enough? So there was some. I think there was a time when some journalists would have stepped up and said that. Not one journalist that I'm aware of, at least not in the mainstream media, actually did that. Yeah. Not one. Not even one. Well, media the, the media has lost what they do. Oh, they, they've, they're so far off the reservation, it ain't even funny. It, it is ridiculous how, how completely off the rails the mainstream media is now. And and all when you go back and you look at the election and you look at everything and this this may be a whole other topic for a whole other show here because you know we're twenty three minutes in and we haven't even got down the list yet here, but now we're finding out that the China virus may really be China's fault. 
No. We're now finding out. Now there's actually even 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 little Tony Fauci. Little Anthony. Little Anthony's come over. Little Tony came over and said, Yo, you know something? Maybe there was something with the lab, you know? Now even Fauci is admitting that there was something that may have gone wrong in the laboratory and it there and there needs to be an investigation. Okay, Wilbur. So now, after how many months now? What are we, 15, 16 months oh, in? Yeah. Since the since we first, you know, this thing first started eking its way into the into the mainstream, January of twenty twenty. Right, that's when we first started hearing about it. But it wasn't a big headline. Matter of fact, it was front page news in USA Today. But what headline got more press and got the above the fold coverage that week? I I don't remember the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Ah, okay, yep. That took over headlines for two solid weeks. All they could talk about was Kobe and his daughter and that tragic helicopter crash and the investigation around that. Right. Which, by the way, now, you hadn't heard a... It's crickets on that deal. Oh, yeah. But that's another story. But the same week that USA Today had that front page, it was the same week that Kobe... It was around the same time that Kobe Bryant's, uh, Kobe Bryant's death and the helicopter crash. So that was top, that was above the fold front page news. And so it was another month and a half before everybody in the media started going, oh, hey, there's this virus we need to talk about, and, and really pushing that. Well, then they got on board with the then, – then, then it became agenda-driven. The whole narrative became very agenda-driven. And I think the reason it was, Trey, I think now looking at where we are today, Trey, I think the reason that it was pushed the way it was pushed, our own government knew what happened. They knew this escaped from that laboratory. Whether it was a deliberate uh, infection or whether it was accidental, it, it's entirely possible. Well, I think the experts. I think the experts. Yeah, had a, a good inkling. Nobody knew for sure. Oh, I think. But they had a well. They, they had well. They had, but they had a great inkling. The problem is with China. It's just, they're so hard to get into. It's so hard to well investigate. But all the clues were leaning that direction. Oh yeah, all the breadcrumbs went went right yeah. back to that lab. We put $7 million plus dollars of American taxpayer dollars into that lab. We were funding research into this very thing there. Yep. We knew, we knew, and, and this came out early on, and a lot of people have kind of forgotten about it, but there was evidence that, that the um, uh, that, uh, researchers in the lab had actually gone. There's a there's a series of caves that are hundreds of miles away from Wuhan, right. where these bats live, right. that carry this particular strain of coronavirus. And researchers had gone to these lab or to these to these caves and apparently captured several of these bats and brought them back to the lab for research. Mm-hmm. So they're bringing the virus into the laboratory. Now it's entirely possible that the ineptitude of some lab worker resulted in them getting infected and then carrying this out into the community in Wuhan, and then it just spreads from there. It's a domino effect from there. Well, if you've watched any movie, every every movie that has a lab worker, there's always a lab worker who's got the blood spinning in the autoclave, not paying, or the whatever we call it, and not paying attention, and it breaks, and it gets all over him, and he starts the, the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. It's every movie. It's every movie. <laughs> so anyway. No, I, I agree with you, and I think the, the crazy thing is we've been, you and I have been screaming about this yeah, uh, about how 
this look, everything pointed to China covering this up and all that from the beginning. Now, all of a sudden, it's mainstream. It's amazing how people that have a little bit of common sense and mm-hmm. use a little bit of deductive reasoning, a la you and I, mm-hmm. get ahead of these things, a long <laughs> way ahead of it's them. It's amazing. It's amazing. I want to I want to do a um, uh, sake circle here and circle back to uh, one little thing real quick before we move on here. Talking about the Texas legislature, so um, con- uh, constitutional carry yes has passed. It's it's gone. It's I, by now it's gone to the governor's desk. I don't know if it's been signed yet, but the governor's going to sign the bill. And, and even if he doesn't, here just just a, just a little civics lesson. Even if he doesn't, if it goes ten days without him signing, it automatically goes into bill. Right. Yeah, that's it goes into law. Into law. So, so when when, when uh, things go to the governor's desk, there's three there's three things that can happen. One, it can be vetoed. Right. Two, it can be signed. Or three, it can, it can become law by by just time, which is ten days. And by, yeah, like and the, he's not gonna he's not gonna veto it because he's got an election coming up. No, year. absolutely not. And he believes in it. But just 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 to let everybody know, the House uh, passed the bill eighty two to sixty two, and the Senate passed the bill seventeen to thirteen. So party line vote. Pretty much. Pretty much a party line vote. But anyway, uh, so September 1, it takes effect. In Texas, Texas will become the 21st state, I believe. That sounds right. To have constitutional carry. And guess what, folks? There's not going to be bloody gunfights in the street. There's not going to be mass killings at the mall. It's not going to happen. It doesn't change any laws. No, it doesn't. The people who can legally possess a gun now still can be able to possess a gun and the right. people that cannot legally possess a gun will not be allowed to possess well, a gun. Well, in fact, they are strengthening the penalties for individuals who are caught with a firearm now who are not legally able to carry a that's firearm. That's right. We've actually strengthened those penalties and, and made them stricter, and that's one of the things that happened to get the bill passed in the first place is they wanted tougher laws for offenders in there. And so, and, and, and it is. So now, you know, the prison sentences have been enhanced. The punishments have been enhanced. Uh, I think some of the, uh, some of the, uh, um, um, the ter- you know, the conditions that you have to meet to, to uh, have charges filed, those have, have been stiffened. Um, it's a tough bill. It really is. Now, um, Dwayne Stovall, it's a name you guys will know, and I, I'm, I'm trying to, I want to get Dwayne to join us on the podcast at some point. Uh, Dwayne has run for, um, couple different offices here in texas and Dwayne is convinced this is not a good idea and i'm not going to get into you know why he does or doesn't like it i'm gonna let him do that but i'm gonna try to get Dwayne on the podcast with us as a guest that sounds like a good he's idea. a he's a very good guest and uh and and Dwayne is a very well-educated very intelligent uh texas businessman who has studied the constitution of texas very thoroughly and uh, he's very well versed in it Got a, got a constitutional question about Texas, Dwayne's probably your go-to guy. We will be back with another episode of Get It Right with Mike and Trey. <laughs>